Hi guys, welcome to Threads Podcast Life Unfiltered. Today, tonight, or whenever you're listening to this, we're interviewing Joe Reed, the author of Broken Like Me. But before we talk to Joe and get an introduction for him, Ben's going to tell everyone what Threads Podcast is about, and then we'll do a little icebreaker. Yeah, well, I am really excited to have Joe here, and we'll get to that in a minute. But before we do, for those of you who might be tuning in because of Joe and his relationship to you, just wanted to do a quick intro to what this forum is here. This is the Threads Podcast. We are all about having unfiltered conversations about things that matter. We talk about mental health, faith, and uh, uncomfortable conversations as well. We want to create a space where it's okay to talk about things that are difficult to talk about. It's kind of the whole premise of what we do. And uh, in my life, one of those people that embodies all of those things very well is sitting here in the room with us. And I'm so excited to have Joe here. So, Joe, thanks for being here. Yay! Glad to be here. Awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, it'll, it, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I thought it. you were going to talk about Jason. I thought that was the intro to Jason. I'm like, who's he talk- oh, talking no, about? Oh, no, sorry. Intro to threads. <laughs> no, no, he's like, I'm sitting in the room with this guy, and I'm like, that's that's me. It's Jason. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's Joe. Yeah, it surprised me. <laughs> Surprise. Well, one of the things that we like to do before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode is just have a brief check-in. Uh, we each have differing paths that we walk each day. Sometimes they're stressful. Sometimes they are um, peaceful. Sometimes they are in the between. So we just like to have a check-in before we get started. This helps us kind of get a feel for where the three of us are at. And it also serves as a way for us to be unfiltered, the whole point of the show. So I'll go first. I am showing up today feeling pretty positive uh, about my physical health. I went and had a physical today and um, down some pounds. My blood pressure is going down. And it's to the point where the doc says, if I continue on this path, I won't even need the blood pressure medication that I've been taking. So that was encouraging. Yeah. How long did he give you to for the recheck? He wants to see me again in six months. Okay. So works for me. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And then I went to therapy and it was hard. <laughs> and... So, kind of best of both worlds, I guess. Got the happy and the crappy all in one day. <laughs> what is that? Uh, some sort of sandwich? What, there used to be like a compliment sandwich where you'd be like, oh, you yeah. give like a, like a positive and then a ro- some s- space to grow and then another positive. You yes. know, so you're kind of like. Yeah, that's the podcast is the positive. We're just finishing up the sandwich. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there we go. I, I hope so. How about you, Joe? I know when you first came in, it was kind of a rough day, but that's where I'm assuming we're we're going with this as far as where you're feeling right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling awful. <laughs> I'm having a really a really bad day. But uh, you know, it's just, it's it's tough being a parent to a teenager or to a group of teenagers, and um, just the disconnect there. I miss the the uh the alone times that i get with them the 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 loving times we get spend together doing things together and they really don't want anything to do with me and that's that's really hard especially uh i've got a lot of time on my hands because i went part-time with my my job at fedex okay um so i can give them a lot more time to be able to focus on them and i've my kids are not doing well in school they're not in school they're not going to school okay so that's not good no um and one of my children just got out of the hospital, so and okay. he's and we paid a lot of money for that, and we're not seeing the fruit of that. So okay. it's like, oh man, 
Yeah, it's it's a challenge raising kids for sure. Yeah, um, they do turn. They do come back when they get older. My older son <laughs> has the prodigal son has returned, and now nice. he's asking dad about advice about buying a house and and those kind of things. So it it does come back, and that's the best part because you know you're like those years, those teenage years are rough. For sure, they think you're an idiot, and they <laughs> they just think they can rule the world, and then you're like, oh. My dad does know a few things. He has bought a few houses in his lifetime. So, <laughs> nice. well, hopefully this podcast we can turn it around and ha- have a, a good, you know, forty-five minute chat about you know your book and you and all that fun stuff. But as far as me coming in, I'm I'm feeling okay. Uh, the humidity's gone. I work outside, as as all the listeners know. And last week was brutal. Mm. Uh, the humidity was just horrible. And today and this week is going to be great. So that was a nice, refreshing work day. I. I mean, I still had the air on, of course, in the truck, but uh, I didn't sweat near as much as I did last week. I think I lost like 10 pounds in <laughs> water weight. So Nice. Um, yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm excited about the interview tonight. Uh, it's a Monday night record, and so, yeah. Uh, jumping in. Jumping right in. Let's get to work. Awesome. awesome. So uh, I mentioned before that I'm sitting in a room with somebody who's had a big impact on my mental health it actually goes for both of these guys. I am very fortunate to have Jason, who, even though he's an asshole about it sometimes. You used the f- full word. <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> like, we're five minutes in and you, you ate, you ate old. I know. He, but in the most loving of ways, back when I wasn't doing well mentally and I was really struggling, Jason was the person who's like, all right. You got to go back and take care of this. You're not done. Go back. Get some help. Find a different therapist. I was like, fine. (laughs) So after a lot of peer pressuring, I went, and it's been great. And then around the time we started Threads, I want to say it was when David Tisma came on the show, somehow my path started crossing with Joe's. (laughs) And again, somebody who just took a real vested interest in my mental health even though I never asked you to, even though I never wanted it. And to be quite frank, in the beginning stages when we first met, (laughs) I was overwhelmed. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to accept your friendship or your, your check-in. So (laughs) I was like, what do I do with this? So you guys didn't know each other before threads. That was just kind of a, it was like right when you guys just first started and I actually introduced David Tisma to you. Yes, that's um, how it went. Oh, he got the okay. he got the full Joe explosion at Big B. Just one time, it was just <laughs> boom. It was splattered all over. Joe, pieces of Joe. He's pulling out of his hair in the shower that night. It was pretty pretty insane. Oh wow. Yeah, we it was it was deep. Then we went for a walk at Big B too, yep. if I remember right. Yeah. So all good things that have come from my friendship with both of these guys. So to be in the same room is kind of a it's a momentous time for me. So do you need a moment? I don't know, maybe. Uh, But Joe, you have obviously just released your first book, Broken Like Me, Insider's Toolkit for Mending Broken People. And I remember you talking about that like three years ago when we were at Big B. You're like, I'm going to write a book. (laughs) And now we're sitting down and I see it on the table. Like, this actually happened. I'll give you the floor to kind of start and introduce yourself. I could tell people all about what I know of you, but uh, I guess... Just to start, what brought you to the point in your life where you decided to sit down and say, hey, I'm going to write a book about mental health? Yeah, thanks. And and, and I, I want to just 
say that you know, like although my day is awful it's really exciting to be here and uh to talk to you guys and uh it's definitely a plus side in my in my day I yeah need, i needed this i even brought my support reindeer i have a stuffed animal <laughs> in my lap and uh, if anybody needs to hold it throughout the day I'll, I'll be sure to pass it on to you yeah so in 2016 i <clears throat> i was going through grand valley and i was looking at going into business and i wanted to talk to an organizational developer so i was recommended to this guy dr andy atwood who used to work for the state of Michigan, um, doing some organizational development. So I went to him and it's like, I, I got all these ideas and things that I'm doing in my life and uh, things that I'm, I'm doing to help deal with some of the emotional battles and storms that I face. So he took all these ideas and wrote them down on a chalkboard. And, and I was like, okay, what are we going to do now? I asked him if he would mentor me you know, for free. And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's like, well, it looks like you're just waiting for like one major event to push you in a specific direction. So I'm like, great. I got to wait for something big to happen. Like, what, what? That's never going to happen. Um, so I left there and just forgot about it. Forgot about the conversation. I saved the email for whatever reason in my email box. And I, I got a call on uh, uh, January 25th. 2018 that my best friend had uh, committed suicide and as soon as I got that call uh, that conversation I had with Dr. Andy Atwood came like crushing back at me mm. like that that big catalyst that big moment momentous event this was it yeah and like I I knew that I had to write a book <laughs> I just knew in that moment like that that's that's, that's the direction I'm going and the relationship I had with the gentleman that that passed away, you know, we were, you know, mutual supports for each other. Like, like when he went into the mental hospital, I was there sneaking him candy and contraband. When I was in the hospital, he was there sneaking in uh, sweet tea and Oreos. Um, like we just we 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 really knew each other really well. We understood each other's struggles. So when he was gone, I felt like I was in a desert of of of, of help. There was just nothing. Yeah, and um, I got really pissed off with the person I had been trying to pretend to have it all together, trying to pretend to be uh, something in the church, uh, something in my faith, something in my family that I just, I just, I'm not. And that that anger, that frustration, the 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 grief, um, allowed myself one month of just feeling whatever I wanted to feel and just telling people about it. And then uh, connected with uh, a guy, uh, a mentor friend who works at Our Daily Bread, Clarkson Morgan. And he's like, well, you can write a book, which is where, the direction I was going to go. Like, I, I got to write a book. I got a subject to talk about. And he's like, you can write a book or you can do something a little bit more significant, like have an impact on the community. He's like, I think you should start a ministry. I'm like, heck no. <laughs> we had too many ministries. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. we, we need better people to run the ministries we have already. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I said, I'm going to do a thing. I'll do a thing. I'll just start something and whoever can join it, whatever. But I was like, I don't want to call it a ministry. And it was, which is ended up being great because broken people, which is, uh, in 43 countries, um, we have people, the majority of people have no connection to faith or would never step foot in a church. And it's, it's an honor to, to be able to express my struggle with faith and my love for God and the community of people that just accept it because I'm accepting to them. Mm-hmm. We have this, we have this common bond, I call it broken people because when I'm at my lowest point, the way that I can best describe myself is broken. And I know for a lot of people that deal with a mental illness, that can be kind of a, 
something to push you away. Yeah, kind right? of contradict contradicting. You know, like yeah. you're broken or you're uh, trying to you're trying to piece yourself together. But yeah, and it's kind of insulting. It could it could be insulting. But what I knew when I when I coined that phrase, broken people, which does come from an art piece I did in Art Prize in 2016 too. But but when I knew when I put that name out there, I knew that there were going to be a specific group of people that would be able to connect with that and they would want to join that. Um, people that had a very similar feeling to what, and it's not all about mental illness either. There are people that feel broken. They have no mental illness or diagnosis. True. Um, and, and in fact, one of the things we invite people to do, and I know I'm getting off topic of the book is just anybody, anybody joins the group. It doesn't, you don't have to feel broken. Like if you have a heart of encouragement, like, like we're just about building community and, and breaking down walls and barriers where there's been a lot, whether it be political, sure. yeah, sexual, you know, whatever. I mean, Church, religious, you know, all this stuff. The walls are just are pretty much gone because the judgment and the pride is gone. I got too pissed off with pride. So, and uh, if you and I was I was I was talking with somebody the other day, and I said the the uh, pride is the mother of prejudice. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was like, that's that's where a lot of the problems come when you have uh, division between groups of people is the prejudice that you have mm. between them. So. I'm going to stop there. Let you ask a question because I don't remember what we're talking about. Yeah. So ADD kicks in. And and this guy won't interrupt. So I'm too polite to interrupt. Um, I will. (laughs) Please. No, but you you were talking. uh, The question was, tell us about what got you to where you are. And you did very well. answer. did it. You did it. You want a gold star? I I do. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yes. Um, So with that, you mentioned the group that's in the 48 countries. Yeah. Um, is that that's the Facebook page? Is that right? Yep, Facebook page, the website. Yeah, and, and then, kind of, part of that is the group that you're running in West Michigan here for Grand Rapids. Yes. Yeah. So, um, how has that been? Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to Threads Podcast. If you could do me a favor, if you are a listener on Apple or uh, Apple Podcasts, can you? give us a review. We would really, really appreciate it. Also, uh, if you want to support the show, you can support us at buymeacoffee.com slash threads podcast. That's buymeacoffee.com slash threads podcast. What this does is help us uh, continue the mission of talking to people about mental health, faith, and uncomfortable conversations, being authentic in their life. This money that is, uh, uh, if you guys buy us a coffee, doesn't go to actually buying us a coffee unless you insist. Also, there's a membership option where you can do uh, $100 for the whole year and you get uh, a community Facebook group that you could talk privately and and confidentially with Ben and I about things that are going on in your life. So if you go to buymeacoffee.com slash threads podcast, you can do either that, buy us a one-time coffee or join the thread Thready membership. There we go. Thready membership. Also, we do have a newsletter. If you go to threadspodcast.com slash newsletter, click on put your newsletter, put your newsletter, put your email in there. Probably won't spam. No, of course we will not spam. Just uh, comings and goings of Ben uh, and Jason and threads and all that. Once a month, we'll send out a newsletter. Okay, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Back to the show. Uh, I know you've had quite the variety of people in the in-person group. Yeah, <laughs> it's, been, it's been crazy. Um, you know, it's the summertime here in West Michigan, and usually our, our support groups grow down. And, and Broken People was the only in-person peer support group that was meeting in West Michigan uh, for the last, I don't know, six to nine months. Because hmm. um, Pine Rest wasn't doing it. Pine Rest would, contacted me about sending people over, but they never did. Hmm. Um and just having people, I mean, it's a, it's 
the the group that I currently run is is an extension of the church that I go to, City Life Church. But you know, we're open to whoever wants to come. I mean, I just tell them if they're going to come, hey, we're going to pray. We might read some scripture, <laughs> but talk about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. Um, my my two rules are: if you need to cuss, man, please get it out there. We'll figure it out. We'll just puke it out there, and we'll 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 dive through it. And then we have another group that's starting in San Jacinto, California. Oh, really? Um, wow. July first. Awesome. Um, so that's gonna be exciting. Getting that launched up. Very cool. So you mentioned the teenagers, and right there with you, <laughs> teenage years are hard. Yes. We're, um, we're in there. We're well. Other than my older son, we're in the early stages of the teenage. Uh, yeah. We each have. Uh, Stefan's 15. Yep. Miracle's almost 13. Yep. And then I have a 13 year old girl too. So it was Miracle's half birthday the other day. So she's officially mm. closer to 13 than she is 12. Give her half a cake. Do we have cake? Do you have a cake? Half? Half a cake. Half a cake. Yeah. <laughs> we did not have half a cake, but I did buy her uh, lemon meringue pie today. So I guess that counts. He's, he's kissing up for Father's Day coming. Yeah, <laughs> Must Sunday. Be, right? yeah. And I, I, I do have a 23-year-old and a 21-year-old daughter. They're both daughters, too. So yeah. I have four kids. Okay. And they're actually doing really well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, they, they do turn around. Hopefully, yeah. it's, it's it's yeah, they will turn they will turn around. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of, I'm having an ADD moment, but I think it's worth noting. You mentioned your daughters. Yes. Hannah is incredible. Like, the gifts she gave you with the calendar of people to pray for you each day yeah like i got that email from her and i was celebrating for you i was like <laughs> this is what fatherhood looks like yeah uh so kudos to you on that add moment i know yeah. but in light of father's day i thought it was worth mentioning yeah um so my question is kind of getting at your current experience now as a dad and your experience in the family growing up for me uh, listeners can go back to some of the stories I've told about my growing up years. So much was just never dealt with, never circled back on. If I had an emotional breakdown, it was just kind of ignored and pushed aside. Um, so my question for you, Joe, is given your uh, current reality with your teens where it's kind of all out there and it's being dealt with, how does that compare to your childhood experience growing up? Was mental health part of your story, part of your family life? Kind of that direction. So you're asking if we were crazy growing up, as crazy as <laughs> I am right now. And uh, we, we, we were. And in my family, and this is something that's still undealt with in, in, with my parents, um, My I grew up in, in a home that was – beyond like dirty it was um we had fire marshals coming to our house and telling us constantly to pick it up or we're going to kick us out okay um it was a it was a, a townhouse so we were renting from the apartment complex and they would check on us you know every once in a while or um and it was a tough thing and my mom you know struggled with some kind of mental illness i don't know she's not going to get help but uh yeah and and for me this 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 empathy monster that I have right now that has really just done its number on me through through my life and and I'm just now trying to trying to get that bit in the mouth of it you know to try to kind of control it a little bit um, it was birthed out of out of the struggles that I had in the home and the beauty that I had there in my home because my mom you know what our home was filled with other than 
like some of the things that my dog did and didn't get cleaned up really well mm. was my mom would buy a lot of stuff for for people and store it in our home like plasticware or or dishes or records that she or like boxes of books that she would want to give away she had a heart to give and a heart to serve um without boundaries and that's that's the makings of a big a big problem and, and that that really revealed itself in my life um and my dad was non-confrontational like he you know <laughs> Yeah, he didn't want to have the difficult conversations with her. He'd rather tell us, don't get married when you get older, mm. um, than just to go to her uh, and and deal with that head on. Whereas right now, that's something, you know, my wife is a pistol. She's a fireball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, one of the things I'm doing, uh, and one of the things I've learned that I've kind of included in the book is just, you know, how do I, how do I exist in that environment with a, with a, with a, with a partner that has so much expression and so much opinion. And I am like a doormat. Like I just, yeah, you can have your opinions. It doesn't, you know, I'll just do whatever, you know? <laughs> and as often as I say that, like, no, get, go along to get along. And I, and I think I think it's going to be some, doing something good for me, but it's not. It's hurting me. It's, it's crushing me. And and then I end up getting to the point where I'm just you know you know way way down. And then I got to get you know extra extra help. But you know since I've been working with really good therapists in my last hospitalization, I've been given really good tools um, to be able to do that. And a, a very understanding wife. Like she's all about like me confronting her when we're not. In a confrontation, hmm. so it's great. It's like, yeah, yeah, confront me. But then when it comes to like yesterday when we had to go to church and she needed me to get her shoes and I told her no, ooh, yeah, there's a time go? and a place for, <laughs> yeah. for that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, well, she knows, so she was like, she appreciates it, just not in the moment, right? <laughs> exactly. You talked about your therapist. Um, are you currently seeing one now? Um, and uh, how is that? How is that going for you? Is 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 it a positive move or is it you know like Ben has some where they're great and sometimes they're rough are you you know I know I'm kind of in this weird holding pattern <laughs> because of covid you know we yeah. did the virtual and that was as much as I thought I would love that it was I did not love it yeah. at all and I just I'm back in person now so where are you with that uh, um I mean obviously you are pro therapy uh yeah. so yeah, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so it's actually my previous therapist that really took me over the hump in terms of like knowing how to be a social creature. And that right. was the biggest the biggest lesson I had to learn. And it's uh, this this idea called DBT, dialectical behavior therapy. Hmm, I haven't um, heard of that. It's, it's, it's very closely related to cognitive behavior therapy. Okay. And it's just really, it's it's how to behave in social situations for dummies. Um, like how do you handle conflict? How do you do all this stuff? Like, I don't, I don't have that common sense. And she, I mean, she gave me exactly what I I've always wanted in therapy lessons and, you know, worksheets. And this is how you do it. This is, you know, you know, kind of not really role play, but you know, these, all these acronyms that tell you how to act in specific situations. Cause I have no clue. I had to, I had to end that therapy relationship though. Um, cause my wife made me, <laughs> which is kind of almost true. I was just kind of coming into understanding what empathy was at the time. And so I was like, I, I asked my therapist, I was like, Hey, 
I think I have this empathy thing, but I'm not sure. So at that time, I was practicing on people. Like I'd go to church and I'd be like, hey, you know, can I, can I tell you how I think you're feeling? And uh, it, was, it was weird, but like I didn't give a damn. Like, mm. I'm just like, I, I need to figure this out. Like, I, I, you know, this is after my friend had passed away. I just didn't give a damn. Um, and so I went to my therapist and I was just like, hey, can I try this on you? Well, I did. And she ended up just breaking down and crying uh, oh. at the, at the, after I got done talking to her. And so my wife's like, yeah, you got to, you got to end that relationship. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that, she probably shouldn't have let you do that. Hmm. And I'm not saying that I'm always right with empathy because I think empaths can be like think they always have it right when they feel like they're always right, which isn't the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm aware of that. Uh, but but I am especially attuned to or aware of people's feelings. I, at least it matters to me. So you talk about empathy. So you didn't have empathy all growing up like you. You just didn't have that skill. I mean, are do you I mean, like my son is autistic yeah. and he thankfully does have empathy, but yeah. a lot of autistic kids don't have empathy. Yeah. Um, so I'm just wondering if that's something you've always dealt with or maybe you had trouble with that after your friend passed. Yeah, actually, my wife is the one without an empathy bone in her body, but I, I've always had empathy to a very unhealthy degree. I just didn't understand it. I didn't know what, how to label it. I didn't know what to do with it. So I would get into a situation at my church where I would be doing, doing, doing because God won't give us more than we can handle. Wink, yeah. wink. Yeah, right. Now. <laughs> and then, and then, if you do more than you can handle, it's not God's fault. It's not the church's fault. Guess whose fault it is? It's yeah. yours. Yeah, exactly. It's in the book. Yeah. Um. So, and I, I was caring so much, and and, and thought because I, if I see a need, you you treat the need, you know, and and I just thought that that was what I would do, and I I didn't understand boundaries. Okay, so you had empathy, but you didn't. I, I get it now. You didn't have the boundaries. You're over over empathizing. I, I didn't know what it was. Like, I didn't yeah. know what was going on in my head, you know, and. Uh, that's when that was my first trip to a psychiatric hospital, which was one of the funner parts of the book. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, well, I appreciate you talking about that. I know that um, I would say that I don't have that problem, but I do have trouble saying no sometimes. Oh, and, me and, too. And I think that's part of like you just feel like you need to help and yeah, and those kind of things. So you mentioned um, Nathan Beals. Yes, I wish I got to know him. I, I knew him through some other people at City Life and other connections. Just seems like an amazing guy. Um, so I know he had a pretty big impact on the book. Who are some other people in your life that really influenced um, the book that now sits in front of us? Yeah. So, you know, going back to my therapist, Gail Johnson, you know, sh her teaching me these, you know, uh, social skills for dummies kind of a thing, you know, <laughs> sure. this DBT. Like that was really huge. And one of the things, I don't know if she encouraged me. I was really drugged up at the time. Like they had me on so many medications, mm. but not as bad as it was. Like we're talking 2013, 20, 2001, when I initially went in the psych hospital, it was insane. Mm. The, the amount of, like I couldn't remember things, but so there's a lot of things I don't remember, but I remember taking all the information that, that uh, Gail gave me, my therapist, and like starting to do this process of utilization, which in my book I, I, I call it Y-O-U, utilize. Like how do you take this stuff and apply it to my life or apply it to your life? So I adapted it and I adapted all these things um, just, so, just to survive. 
And honestly, that's the hardest part of therapy is taking those and using yeah. it in real world. Like a lot of my stuff happens when I blow up, when I when I get angry. Yeah. And it's like in those moments, you're like, you forget, you know, because it's everything is happening so quick. So that's that. I, I feel like that's the toughest part is For using sure. those tools that you've learned. For sure. Um, and they're 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 amazing tools. And and sorry, I didn't mean to derail no, you. No, that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. You know, Dr. Andy Atwood, you know, as far as like him kind of sitting down with me, you know, he gave me an hour of his time. He didn't charge me anything just to kind of take all these pieces and put them on a whiteboard. Yeah. That was huge. He didn't just, just tell me, hey, you got to wait for an event. Um, for sure, like my wife, <clears throat> you know, we are so different. <laughs> and the transition we've gone through in our marriage to – Thinking we had specific roles we had to fill, understanding that we didn't fit that mold hmm. well at all, and then getting to the place where we are, where we just kind of throw away the mold and we're just we're just we're we're doing what we're gifted at, and her being hard and her being a tough person uh, has really pushed me to grow. She hasn't taken. A lot of my whining and my my bullshit, and this is another thing that Nathan, Pastor Nathan did too. He he uh, would would lay it out for me and say, hey, "You're being whiny," you know. And <laughs> and I think that it, it, uh, that you alluded that with Jason that you know, hey, you need more help. Um, so Melissa just constantly being truthful with me, being honest with me, and and really creating a lot of friction in my life so that I can grow and become stronger. And then to to be there to encourage me on the flip side has okay. been huge. Um, definitely wouldn't be here like crazy. Wouldn't be here without her. Um, and then uh, Adam, is, who used to be the pastor of my yeah. church. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I went to high school with him in Detroit. Okay. And uh, he, you know, I don't know. We just kind of we've been friends for almost thirty years now. Wow. And you know his his passion for unpopular things has has really uh, impacted me hmm. um, his friendship has for sure his love for people and that's been that's been a big deal I mean I, I could I could I, there's I think every person I come in contact with really rubs off on me in some significant way where I just I just but but those are people I can think of right at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah, that's fine. That's awesome. Yeah, tell me a little bit about the book as far as like what the goal of the book was. What you know, what's your target audience? Who who could be um, help from the book? Those kind of things. Yeah, so I worked with a, a, a group called Self Publishing School, um, and it's Chandler Bolt he has this big organization, and so what they call like who's my target audience? They refer to that as an avatar. Okay. And an avatar is just somebody like if you're looking at an audience and you're speaking to the audience, that's the one person in the audience that's going to be crying and receiving that message with a lot of passion. Okay. So they wanted me to invent this person, like describe this person and so that I could kind of formulate my book to that. And mm. I couldn't do that. Like I'm a creative person and I couldn't find myself doing that. But but then I thought, well, I don't have to invent somebody. I've got over 900 people in my my group, my broken people group, like who in there fits that bill? You know who? So there's a lady in my group from New Jersey. Her, her name is Dana Sullivan. Um, she's got she's a single mom, got a kid, comes from a, a rough religious background. Um, she's not a Christian, and I was like, that's the one. Mm. That's the person I want to reach. The single mom with a with a tough, you know, really tough 
religious background. Um, and so I called her up and I, I interviewed her. I was like, tell me all about you. <laughs> and awesome. so then as I wrote the book, like it, it had a huge impact on how I wrote the book. I went from writing the book to you people to like actually envisioning her receiving the book. Mm. So it's, it's, it's you. That's a really good idea. Yeah. So I was able to envision her. But the, the weird thing about this dude is like I got a call from a friend last week where a 17-year-old girl picked up the book before my friend got home, mm. started reading it. And like she went crying to him at night just about the, the passion she some some of the topics that she read about yeah how impactful that was hers like well, I didn't expect that <laughs> right I'm a 45 year old man like I, I don't know but well I feel like that ideal woman is there's tons of people that are like that right. you just honed in on her and, yeah. and writing it for her that's a really interesting concept and not trying to overthink of who you're trying to write yeah. it for so and that, I knew if I reached her that I would reach a million people yeah um and but it was never about the million people it was really about reaching the one the one yeah yeah that's what kind of what we talk about too is reaching yeah. people and, and it doesn't have to be a ton of people but if one person reaches out and says man this was impactful it was worth it and that's the goal of Absolutely. the book that's that's the goal of broken people that's the goal of my book that's the goal that's, i just i want to help that next person that feels broken like me yeah um one of my key verses uh in in uh that i use for broken people i have a mental health hero award it's a national award that we issue to people get nominated and then i send them an award at the end of the month and and do a big hoo-ha about you know trying to make you know and it's you know people that do little things like i think that there are heroes unclaimed heroism out there that's not recognized and i want to recognize it with this mental health hero award so in this letter i, I quote matthew twenty five forty, where it says you know you know when did you do this for for me when did you help me and jesus said well, when you did for the least of these right and and uh, you know with jesus with jesus it always seemed to be about the one yes and that's that's I don't and, and when I got that call from my friend about his teenage girl, I'm just like, I'm done. I don't have to sell another book. Like that's that was my goal right there. Yeah. And you know, my wife keeps tracks of like the Amazon numbers and stuff like that, but <laughs> I don't care. You'll go nuts if you look at that I stuff. Don't, I don't care, man. You've it's been trending like, high though. Yeah, it's the number one it's... new release for three weeks, two weeks now. Okay. And it was a number one bestseller for four days last week. So nice. Yeah. That is something. And that's a pretty crowded segment genre mental yeah health mental and, health yes genre thank you yeah the bipolar one took me by surprise but number one in bipolar for four days and okay and number one new release in bipolar for for two weeks that's awesome. amazing yeah so in this book it's really a toolkit it's it's um things people can try it's very practical what is one of those tools are you Willing to spill the beans as a way to maybe encourage readers to pick up a copy? Can I spill something else? I'm not a really big fan of beans. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. not either. I mean, Jello, I'll, I'll I eat know. them in a, like a burrito, yeah. but like I'm not going to yeah. cook them and just eat them. Yeah, or, or just waste them by spilling them? Yeah, that's <laughs> that true. That's very wasteful, that's true. Ben. That's true. I'm true. sorry. Um, spill the turtles. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I like them. Uh, yeah, so... I don't, ca- I don't care talking about... All- I mean, there's there's three major tools in the, in the book. Uh, there's the... Uh, what I call the mental health scale. Mm-hmm. There's I talk about journaling and I talk about friendship. Okay, um, those are like the three basic things that I have worked on for the last 15 years that have really been significant to me. Um, and the mental health scale is simply just I, I feel like there is this disconnect between professionals and people that struggle with mental health disorders to communicate. And I've created a universal mental health scale that I think makes sense. That's stupid easy to understand and you know 
There's like seriously, man. I went to this one hospital and they had a, a scale one to ten. If you're feeling great, you know it's ten. Feeling bad is one. So I call that a, to- a positive ten scale. But then I went home and was googling mental health scales, and then there was a positive one scale. Like a one is good and ten is bad. Like what the heck? And where's <laughs> where's the equator on this thing? Right. Like, and and usually there's not a whole lot of room for feeling good. Like it's usually six or seven is good, and everything under six is 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 bad. So I'm like, that's that's not fair for good feelings. Yeah. So I want to be fair. So I I went through and I created this um, the scale, and I highlight a couple areas on the scale. And again, I, I teach the reader to utilize you utilize the scale for themselves. And I, I introduce something called a manic number and a crisis number. Mm. The crisis number is where on the scale that you yourself know you need to be hospitalized. This is where you're unsafe and you need to get professional help quickly so that you can communicate. You don't have to go to your family and friends and say, I'm struggling. I'm having all these thoughts, blah, 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 blah. It's really simple. I'm at, for me, it's a negative six. If I hit a negative six, my friends know, my wife knows, my pastor knows, my therapist knows Joe's going to the hospital. (laughs) Um, But then what's really cool about this is if I keep track of these numbers, I can begin to build averages and begin to understand things like seasonal depression mm-hmm. or yeah. days of the week or, or things like that. And, and, and the averages work really, really well. Um, the manic number is a positive six for me. And again, it it's depends on who you are and what your, your strengths are. But that's the period where like if I'm feeling really, really great and I think that I can start four podcasts, which I'm thinking about doing right now just to be competitive <laughs> you know, with you guys, um, then I need to take a step back and say, Am I feeling manic? It, 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 am I being irrational? And it's just a flag. And what the, what the, the potential, a potential problem with that is you begin to become afraid that, oh, I'm going to crash. But what I encourage the reader to do is enjoy those feelings, enjoy those, but then start to implement coping skills mm-hmm. so that if you do fall, that the fall is slower and less harmful to you and the people that you love. Mm. And I introduce a concept called coping ahead. Coping ahead is pre-coping. It's like, what do you do if? Yeah. So like, what if I do, and I come here, and I don't know Jason, and he's a jerk. Like, how am I going to act? And he has a really nice beard, by the way. Um, <laughs> Thank a you. jealous. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it, coping is, uh, is, a, is a huge tool. So uh, I was really challenged by a friend when I, when I introduced that, that manic number. He, I, at first, I, I treated it as bad, and my friend's like, well, well can't you be at a six or seven and be really great? And, and, and imagine like a, a, a 10 is like a spiritual orgasm. It's, it's fantastic. It's the best that you could possibly feel. Yeah. And, 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 and I didn't actually explain the, the scale to you, but I think you can start to see a picture. Zero is the dividing line. Mm-hmm. If you're feeling bad and if you're feeling negative, then your number is negative. Correct. Zero to negative 10. A negative 10 is you're in the act of doing something to yourself. Like, yeah. You're holding the gun or whatever, you know. Hmm. Um, we never want to get there, but but there are things on the scale that you can do when you're like negative three, negative four. You see yourself moving down to actually move you literally in the right direction. You're at negative three, negative two, whatever. What are some What are some of those things that you can do? And again, coping ahead, planning ahead, to be able to incrementally move you to the right side of the scale. That's all we're trying to do is get you past that zero point. Hmm. Um, and, and then once you're over there, then I talk about celebrating. I don't care if you had a point one plus point one, celebrate it. Yeah. And, and, and even if you're like, I had a friend that was at a negative five and she moved to a negative four. 
that movement in the literal right direction is worth celebrating. That is positive momentum. And, and even though it's, it's you're still not feeling well, you still have to celebrate. Yeah. Um, I, I love what James says. You know, consider it pure joy, my friends, when you face trials of many kinds. Like he's saying, consider joy is an option when you're struggling, hmm, as opposed really to feeling guilty, as opposed <laughs> to beating the crap out of yourself. You know, yeah. for feeling tempted or for being, you know, you know, for whatever reason. Job's like, Job's like, or James is like, and James, you know, pretty connected with Jesus when I mean, they were brothers, right? Because I'm, I'm going to trust somebody in the Bible. It's going to be James. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, just consider joy. So what I do with this is I had a friend that we were uh, accountability partners for uh, pornography. So if he would be struggling and tell me I'm struggling, I'd be shooting off him fireworks. Congratulations for struggling. Consider it joy. You know, celebrate this because if, if, you, if you let guilt come in and take a, take a hold of you whenever you're struggling with anything, that just makes it all the more likely that you're going to do that thing because you're beating yourself up. There's no reason to feel guilt. Yeah. For something, you know, I, I walk down the street, I'm attracted to a lady, and I beat myself up for that. Well, what is that more likely to cause me to do? To, to do more stupid stuff. But if I celebrate the opportunity that I had to be more faithful to my wife, heck, Jeez awesome. Louise. Yeah. Has anybody ever said Jeez Louise on your show before? I think probably. Oh. I I say that phrase. I don't know if I've ever said it on the show, but I, okay. I've definitely said that before. Okay. It's, All right. It's not out of my uh, element to say that. <laughs> so as we start to wrap up, we each have one closing question. I'll go first. Um, you speak openly and honestly basically about everything, and that's one of the things that I admire about you. It's also one of the things that sometimes I'm like, whoa, wasn't expecting that. Um, <laughs> That's one of the things that terrifies you. Yeah. Because <laughs> Ben, who was the introvert, I think that's what really threw him off when you were like, I'm kind of like you, though. Yeah. I kind of spill a lot quite a bit. And um, Ben has been part of that, too. But Yeah. Um, ben that, has been. Yeah. Ben I, has I, been. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ben has been. <laughs> well, I'm, a, I'm an introvert, too, but I'm very bad at it. nice so where i'm going with that is you've talked openly about your stays in mental hospitals and that is something that's pretty taboo um if people go to a mental hospital it's not typical in my experience Mm -hmm. that they would talk talk about it as openly as you do yeah um so i guess my question in that is was there a shift at some point where you're like you know what I'm just going to be open and honest about this, or is that just something that came naturally to you? <laughs> uh, when my friend died, I was like, "Fuck!" Hmm. I'm like, I, 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 what? Why would I hide something? Why would I hide this? I mean, just as an example, I was elected governor the last time I was in the mental hospital. All of the, <laughs> all of the, the patients in there got together and voted for me. So I mean, there's a lot of. I think everybody should spend some time in one of these places. It's fantastic, and you know, I remember standing at the window looking out, and I was locked up at, at Holland Hospital. It was a fantastic facility, Six West. Shout out Holland Hospital. What? Um, <laughs> and I, I was looking out there. You know, the the doctor came over and said, "You know what the difference between you and them out there is? You're in here getting help." Hmm. And uh, a lot of crazy stuff happens in the crazy the the crazy house, but it's it's a safe place. The the, the last time. I was in the hospital was a safe place. The first time I was in the hospital was not a safe experience. You have to read the book about that one. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Good tease there. Right. Yes. That was good. Appreciate that. There was an amputation. I'll just say that. Oh, my. Yeah. So one of the things I want to know, 
how did writing the book impact your mental health? Meaning, did you learn something along the way about yourself as you wrote it? Or were you pretty confident as far as like where you were at and you knew everything you needed to know about this book and you were just like, I got this? Or did you just learn something about yourself, I guess, as you wrote the book? Yeah, I learned a lot about myself. Like I was learning to fall in love with myself. Uh, You know, one of the chapters in Friendship was – it just starts off with if you want to be a good friend, you got to be a friend to yourself first, hmm. which is hard. I mean, no you got to also like saying yeah. you have to love yourself before you can love the other people. I think I don't know. I'm not a Bible scholar like you, but I believe it's said there somewhere in the Bible. It's uh, pretty basic. Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. Yeah, and I use that as a premise for loving my neighbor. Like that's Jesus set a bar for how we should love other people, and that's in how you love yourself. You can't really love other people yeah. if you're not loving yourself. Hmm. And Very I know true. that seems really weird, but it's true. <laughs> and I've, I've really learned to like myself. Like, you know, there's a lot of things I do that it's really quirky, and a lot of things that I like that are really weird. Like, I really am a big fan of right angles. So okay. I look around the room, and I'm like, oh, right angles, yeah, dope. And I love the color yellow. And, you know, accepting the beauty and the majesty of the things that are just around us every day and seeing the awesomeness of, of it all has just been really helpful for me. There are things that I see that I think I don't allow myself to appreciate because it's weird. And I was judging myself and I was labeling myself. But now I'm just like, yeah, like I have, I'm sitting here with a stuffed animal, a stuffed reindeer, you know, and uh, I like it. And I'm a 45 year old guy. It's 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 comforting, you know. Just be yourself, like yourself, and you'll be able to like people a whole lot better. Okay, well that's great. I appreciate the time. Um, the book is broken like me. I like the uh, seeing the uh, title and the okay is red in the broken. So that's super cool. We also know that book is not for resale because there's a sticker on that. <laughs> yeah, as well. it's my author's copy. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I don't even have a real of the book myself. <laughs> okay. Okay. So why don't you tell us a little bit where, I mean, obviously Amazon, you can get the book, but is there a website you want people to go to or a Facebook page or anything like that? Yeah. So you can get a bunch of tools related to mental health at www.broken-people.org. There's a okay. little line there. And then there's a link to my book in there. There's a landing page with like a lot of... Uh, you know, people talking about how the book's doing, how people like it. Uh, there's just tons and tons of feedback. Just it's amazing. Um, and there's just a lot of tools in there for both people that feel broken. I have two links on that first page, it, it, just to make it stupid simple. <laughs> I feel broken. Like yeah, check it out on the thing. Uh, or I care about somebody that feels broken. Mm. You got two choices, and then there's the book <laughs> underneath. Nice. Pick one, and then it takes you through this web of how broken do you feel? What is your feeling exactly, and what can you do about it? Um, or, you know, if you care about somebody, well, what can you do about it to help them? Hmm. Um, and I would just put this, I'm not a web designer. I just thought about what would be helpful to me, went on YouTube, and it's like, yeah, that's how we're going to do it. Nice. And uh, so I actually don't remember if there was a question there. There, there was, was. You kind of, like, didn't answer it, but then you wrapped, you, like, whatever you said was awesome to finish on. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to re-enter the, the yeah. question, uh, <laughs> yeah. but that's okay. It happens to me too. I'm the worst uh, with like, I always ask Ben, what was the question again? Because yeah. I literally <laughs> will forget it like two or three minutes in. But, yep. Same uh, brains over here. Something right. like that. Yeah. Well, Joe, thank you for coming on. I know, you know, not having met Jason and being in a new place and, 
going through the mental health issues that you've so bravely faced. You can imagine it's not the easiest thing to show up for a podcast, but I just give you props for being here, even on, even on a rough day. Yeah. Um, hopefully this was a bright spot. Definitely, to wrap up. definitely so, was. Good. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it.